Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. If you were listening closely to the children's story, you heard our scripture reading, but we're going to go ahead and do it again. Repetition is good. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 is our scripture reading this morning. If you'd like to turn there with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 reads, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. The title of my sermon today is Faith, What Is It and Why You Need It? Well, that's a good question, right? So I have a question for you. When was the last time one of you guys stepped out of your comfort zone? Isaac's going to show a little video here for us. That's stepping out of your comfort zone, right? So that's one of the first things that they do when they're in arrows. It's called a trust fall for a very good reason, right? Lily wasn't too happy that she was here the Sabbath for this video, but sorry, such is your luck, love. Um, so that's really having trust in your partners, right? The whole idea is that they're building that trust relationship with their teammates so that during the arrows exercises that they have trust that if they do fall, somebody's really gonna catch them, right? So we want that same relationship, that faith relationship um, with God. So I want to ask you, when is the last time you pushed yourself to grow? Right? Nobody likes to get in that uncomfy zone, right? Nobody likes to get the Bible study. Nobody wants to like come up front in church. It's all a little scary, right? So I have a story about this. So I was home alone in the summer as I am often, right? And I had done laundry the day before. Everything went good. I put laundry in that night and the washer was giving me lots of pretty error codes of which I was Googling. So I went through the steps about how I should fix the washer. It said, check and make sure your drain tube isn't clogged. I checked it. It wasn't. It said, Put it on the clean cycle. Maybe that'll fix it. I did that and that didn't work either. This washer was just not draining. And then the last thing it said was, well, your drain pump's bad. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay, so I have some options here. I can call the repair guy, which is probably gonna be really pricey, I'm thinking in the back of my head. So I take a picture of the code that I need for my washer, my specific one, and I get on Amazon and I Google it up and I'm like, washer drain pump, 30 bucks. All right, I can do this. I'll order a drain pump and then I'll check and see how much it is to have somebody come and put this drain pump in for me. So I get the drain pump and I ordered and I called a bunch of the service repair people around here and they're like, um, we can't use that part. And I said, why? It's an OEM part. It comes right from the manufacturer. Well, that's just not how we do it. And I said, well, how much are you going to charge me for this part? Because I knew what I paid for the part. Well, we're going to charge you $92, ma'am. I said, no, I just paid $32 for this part, and it's the same one you're going to put in my washer. I said, okay. I said, so how much is it for you to come out and to put this washer in? Because I kind of Googled, you know, what you had to do to take this washer apart. And basically, you have to almost disassemble your whole washer to put the pump in because of where they put it, which is by design, I think, to gain them more hours. Well, then it's $75 an hour after that. But the first where you got to pay $60 for the house call or whatever it was. So I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like, Oh boy, this is going to be really expensive. And I can't be without the washer. I could have called my husband home, but it's his busy season. Not that he wouldn't have come, but I would have had to wait and the laundry just piles up. So YouTube it was. So I YouTubed it. 
and they have this great video. I'm like, I got this. I think I can do it. The only part I was really concerned about is you got to take this. There's a spring washer that goes on the seal of your door and you got to like, they used a screwdriver and a pair of pliers to spread it to put the seal back on. I'm like, ew, this is going to be tough, I think. So I'm in there. I'm taking my washer all apart. I'm being careful because, you know, you got to remember how to put it back together after you take it apart, right? You shouldn't have extra parts. And so I got it all apart and I put it in. Now, I'm not going to tell you it wasn't without some sweat, blood, and tears. And it probably took me a lot longer than it would have the repair guy, having had some practice at it. But we got it. I got it. We got it in there. And then I went to put that spring back on. And I watched that video three times. And I did not have the hand strength. Well, when I ordered the part, I should have probably ordered the other part that Amazon recommended, which was the spring expansion tool. And I'm like... Maybe I can just get it in town tomorrow, right? I'm not the only person that fixes their washer. Nobody in town has the spring expansion tool. No one. I called the repair guys. Well, we have those on our truck. I'm like, but you don't sell them in the store? No. So Amazon it was. I had to wait. And then it only took me 10 minutes. And then the real faith was, as you had to stand there and watch your washer, is this baby going to drain once I put the cycle on? So I turn the cycle on and I'm watching and waiting and having patience because washer cycles take a while. And then I heard it. The pump kicked on. No error code and it drained. And so for $45, I fixed the washer pump. It was great. Have I ever fixed a washer pump in my life? No, no, no. But I didn't want to pay somebody $400 or buy a brand new washer to the tune of $1,200 to uh, get this washer going because... When you have a family, you have a lot of clothes. (laughs) So that's just a story about, um, you know, being able to step out in your um, personal growth or something that maybe you wouldn't necessarily do. Um, So I want us to bow our heads with prayer and invite the um, Lord to speak through me today as we um, talk about faith. Kind Heavenly Father, we invite you into this room today. We ask that everyone receive a blessing from this message And we invite you to draw all of us closer to you and help us to grow in our faith relationship on a daily basis. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's something else I want you to think about. If you don't grow, you shrink. Not literally, but your mental capacity shrinks if you don't exercise them. Um, Our faith relationship with God is much the same. If you don't ever exercise that faith in God, that connection um, with God is likely to fail. Because how are you going to know it's going to work? It's like the trust fall. If you don't trust that that relationship is there and he's going to be there for you, you aren't going to be sure that it's really available for you to use. So I'm going to have us turn to John 14, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And it says, "Let Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, that you may also. So that's the the faith that the Lord is coming back for us and that he went to prepare a place for us. When we look at faith as it's defined in the great book of the Webster's Dictionary, it says a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. 
When we look at what the Bible says to define it, it's defined nicely in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Kind of like the cereal. You know, we had, they had, the kids had faith that there was cereal in both those boxes. Um, but there was not. And there's three critical elements for us to be able to exercise and use our faith in our relationship with God. The first part that we have to have is obedience. The second part that's required of us is our attitude. And the third part is our expectation. So when we took a, take a look at obedience, we look in the Bible and we first turn to Genesis chapter 22, verses 2 through 5. So let's turn there. And it says, Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So I want you to take a minute and think about that ultimate obedience that Moses had to God. He was taking his only son, his only son that he waited a really long time to have, potentially to a sacrifice. But because God had asked it, he was obedient. And he stepped out in that relationship of faith with him. And then I want to turn to Genesis um, chapter 6 and read verses 13 through 18. And the Lord said to Noah, The end of all the flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out, <coughs> inside and outside with pitch. And this is, this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and its width shall be 50 cubits, and its height shall be 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish, finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side, and you shall come, you shall make it with, with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters to the earth to destroy them from under heaven. All the flesh that is the breath of life, everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So look at that faith relationship. The Lord had asked something of Noah to step out. And when we look at the things that Noah had to endure as he was building this ark and having faith in the Lord that he was coming again, it's pretty profound. He was heckled. People told him, it's not really going to rain. I don't believe it. Why are you building this huge ark? Um, <clears throat> by the faith of Noah being warned of, <clears throat> by, by the faith of Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark 
saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became the heir of their righteousness, which is by faith. And that comes from Hebrews eleven seven, that, you know, he stepped out in that faith relationship with the Lord and had obedience to build it just as directed. He didn't skip a step. He didn't not build it as directed. I'm sure if any of that would have occurred, that the the ark would not have sustained that the storms that the Lord was going to bring upon the earth. So, and looking at those two stories in the Bible, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what do we want our um, faith and obedience relationship um, to God to look like for each of us? How do we want our relationship to look? How are we stepping out and what are we needing um, to do to be able to have the faith that um, Noah had or the faith that Moses had when he, he they were stepping out in those relationships when the Lord called them and asked them to do those activities. Then we're going to look at the second aspect of faith that's required. It's our attitude. And I'm going to ask you to turn to um, Matthew chapter 8 verses 23 to 27. And it says, Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? So when we have an attitude of faith, it means that we have an expectation that God is going to deliver his promises to us. That what he was telling um, the disciples in that boat was that, you know, they shouldn't have been fearful. They should have had the expectation that they were going to be delivered. But they were nervous and not sure of that faith relationship. And so they woke him up. And he still delivered on his promises. Um, And through that example, he was able to show them, you know, his faith relationship and act. In action by having um, God in our boat doesn't mean that we aren't going to face any storms as individuals. In fact, we're more likely to face the storm. However, by having God in your boat, it means that no storm is going to sink your boat. When you walk in faith, you will never walk alone. Um, another um, person that we should take a look at that drew to my mind when we were looking about um, the attitude of our faith relationship was the story of Job. I mean, just look at that story. Job, he was the bee's knees. He was blameless. He was upright. He had kids. He had a wife. He had a land. And he had a bunch of sheep. And God talked about, um, you know, how good Job was and how great his faithfulness. And then lo and behold, the Satan comes Satan comes out and challenges God and Job's goodness and his faith in God. He said, if you take all that away, there's no way that Job is still going to have that relationship with, with you. The only reason that he has that faith relationship with you is because he has his health, he has his wife, he has his land, and he has all of his sheep. So basically, God said to Job... Um, that he would allow this challenge to occur, but he couldn't take his life. And 
Satan ended up being wrong in this challenge because Job remained faithful in his relationship, even through every single trial that he endured. And they weren't little trials. I mean, they were huge trials. Um, and he really had no one to support him in that relationship. The purpose of the process of building our faith relationship with God is called preparation. If we don't build it, it's not going to happen. If you don't exercise your relationship of um, your faith relationship with God, you'll lose it. And in order to be prepared to stand strong in your faith, you must exercise it. Don't expect to stand strong in your faith if you've never tested the con connection. So don't wire up a new circuit, plug something in and think it's magically going to work if you haven't tested that circuit when you're planning a, a, a barbecue for your outdoor activities and you need the plug for your plot luck. If you've never tested that outlet prior to, how are you going to know it's going to work? It's the same with our faith relationship with the Lord. The faith connection needs to be recognized that the trials and difficulties um, that we face is not a cool pro cruel process to keep us from God's promises, but it's the exact preparation that each of us will need to handle the promises of his soon return. So a lot of people you know when they sometimes when we come to the Lord we think it's going to be an easy walk and we're not going to have a challenge and we won't face difficulties because we've chosen the Lord and it's going to be good. But that's not the case. And we shouldn't see it as punishment when we do face those challenges. Actually, we should see it as preparation because the Lord is preparing each of us for the exact trials that we need to be able to handle the difficulties that we might face when he comes again. And then um, if we look at 1 Peter 5.10, it talks about that. It says, after you have suffered a little while, while the grace of God who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ himself, he will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So it doesn't say he's just going to leave us to wallow in these difficult trials. He says that after we've suffered a while, we'll be perfect, established, strengthened, and we'll be settled in our relationship with him and ready to handle the next trial that we might face. If we look at um, James, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, My brethren, count it a joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. We have to count it a joy um, when we meet trials of various kinds. For we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness, and let the steadfastness that we have um, take its full effect, that we may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. So the third part of our faith relationship is the expectation. And so that's the expectation of the deliverance of the faith promises that the Lord gives to us. So I want to look at the story of um, David and Goliath. And we're going to read 1 Samuel um, <clears throat> chapter 17, verse 37. And it says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. You know, this is the story when he was preparing 
to um, fight Goliath. And if you remember, you know, David was the smallest of the small. He was young at that time, and Goliath was a great warrior. So think about that faith that he had to step out in to be able to face the, you know, Goliath, the Philistine. God doesn't want us to handle our our trials and our in faith on our own. He wants um, us to hand our trials over to him. So he's never asked us to bear our trials alone. He wants to be right there with each and every one of us. God does not want us to rally more on our own strength. He wants us to rally solely on his strength. It is our choice whether we stay stuck in our hurt or hurts, whatever they may be, or we get renewed in our hearts. You know, some people face a really difficult trial and they just can't seem to get past it. They get stuck in it. But each of us has a choice every day in that faith relationship to become renewed in our relationship with the Lord and renewed in our own hearts and not see it as um, sometimes a punishment that people seem to take it as. If we read Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future hope. Then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declared the Lord, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you to exile. I want you to think about that for a second. The Lord doesn't want us to stand on our own strength. He really wants us to stand on him, to go to him and have that open communication and relationship. While God's story and his blessings are unique to him, rest assured, when you are chosen for suffering, you're chosen for the blessing of displaying the works of God as well. You know, sometimes we face trials or difficult situations in our lives, but sometimes that makes us better able to relate to somebody else that may be going through that trial. Having, having ourselves not been in that situation, we couldn't have that empathy or that connection with that person. But because we've endured the trial ourselves, because the Lord prepared us, we were able to reach out to that other person that may have been suffering. Something I want us to think about is what if the worst parts of our lives are actually the gateways to the very best parts you'd never want to do without if you had the choice to go back? The expectation of faith in God's promises goes goes both ways. He wants us to prioritize him in our lives and to have great trust in him, but he wants us to develop that connection and that relationship with him. Don't think you can only test the cord in the emergency. You need to be testing it on a daily relation on a daily basis and having that faith relationship with him so that when you have that really strong trial, you know that you have that faith that you will you will come out the expectation of faith in God, oh, sorry. I want you to think about this statement. Instead of saying, I don't have time for God or stepping out in faith for an activity he's called each of us to do individually, I want you to try saying, it's not a priority and see how that feels. I know it doesn't feel very warm and fuzzy for me. So, and I'm not working on my growth or 
um, my relationship with him because it's not a priority. If that doesn't sit well with you, that's the point. Your time and how you use it is a choice. And if you don't like how you're spending it, we're all entitled to choose differently. The next time that you're called to step to step out in your faith and you're unsure, I want you to think about this statement. <laughs> think about this statement. You can be scared and do it anyway. You can be underqualified and get in the room anyway. You can be messy and unperfect and unsure, but show up anyway. Comfort is the enemy of growth and in your relationship with God. Get uncomfortable. We all have an option. Faith and fear both demand that we believe in something we cannot see. But we each have a choice. So in closing today, I offer that each of you choose and choose wisely. And remember, faith and fear are both unseen things. But we have the choice of what we choose to believe in. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you're in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you're a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.